Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. So, for the last two weeks, we've kind of began each show with an update. With 15 minutes about what's going on. Baseball, basketball, college sports, football, wherever there's news, that's typically where we've started. Every day, 5.05, we kind of get our bearings, say, hey, here's the latest on the players versus the owners in Major League Baseball. Here's the latest on what the NBA is up to. And then we go from there. But for the last two weeks, we've started the show with whatever is brand new because we obviously don't have real games to talk about. Our guest, Coach Andrew McGlenn, UWL football on Tuesday, said something really interesting, and I'm and I'm it's stuck with me. It's really easy in a pandemic-stricken world, especially when it comes to sports, it's really easy to be pessimistic one day and optimistic the next. And that's kind of life right now because it seems like a lot of the information we get is conflicting. A lot of the news we see is contradictory and don't know what to believe. We don't know what to think. And sports is no exception. It's easy to feel pessimistic one day and optimistic the next. Well, the NBA still feels months away to me. And baseball's getting closer, although they're by no means out of the woods. I feel really, really optimistic about the return of football, both NFL football and college football coming up this fall. So let's start with some optimism today. Let's start with what I feel good about, and that's football. And to be honest, a couple of weeks ago, a month and a half ago, I didn't feel great about football. And I'm glad I'm feeling optimistic. Let's talk about that. This is the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am very thankful that you have tuned in and that you're hanging out. Coming up at 530, we'll talk to Bart Winkler, one of my favorite guests, for a couple of different reasons. He is a a morning show host on 105.7 FM, The Fan in Milwaukee. He is a Packers owner, and I'm sure we'll get into that because it looks like the ownership meeting might be canceled, so he will not have a platform to voice his concern and his distaste with the direction of the team. So we'll talk about that at 5.30. He's also a UWL alum, so maybe we'll ask him how his graduation was in comparison to what went down this last week, and we'll talk to Bart at 5.30. I want to talk more Packers today, and I want to continue our conversation from yesterday about the wide receivers. I'm actually going to try to convince you that their wide receiving core isn't so bad. You might not buy it. You might not believe it, but I want you to hear me out. We'll do that in 10 minutes. And there was actually some Packer news today. Montrevious Adams uh, arrested. So we'll, we'll close the show with that. I don't exactly know what I have to say about that, but we will, quote unquote, I guess, break that news and talk about it coming up in a little bit over a half hour. First, let's start with the return of sports, because that's how we've began just about every Wisco sports show for the last two weeks. We know where baseball currently stands. Now, according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today Sports, the economic proposal is going to be handed from the league to the players tomorrow. They haven't covered economics yet. How the payers are going to be played or how the players are going to be paid, how they're going to be compensated. They haven't discussed that yet. That's going to be presented tomorrow, which to me is slightly concerning. Why wait until Friday afternoon? That kind of feels like a news dump. Kind of feels like to me, Major League Baseball could be about to drop a a really insulting, unrealistic proposal on the players, and then go like this, wring their hands, and run away for the three-day weekend. That's what I'm afraid is going to happen tomorrow. Or maybe it's just luck of the draw. They haven't finished it yet. They're hoping to wrap it up today or tomorrow morning, and they'll present it when it's done, which just happens to be tomorrow. I hope that's the case. But I do have a little bit of concern with the Friday news dump vibe that Major League Baseball is giving off. The safety details have already been covered. The proposal that the MLB presented to the players was 67 pages long, and it had all of these different uh, restrictions, 
and, and, and ideas on how to keep players as safe as possible, including players who aren't active. They wouldn't even be in the dugout. They'd sit in the stands six feet apart, which I think would look really funny. Like you have your active players in the dugout and then right above in the really good seats, you just have a bunch of players just spread out eating popcorn. I think that could be a funny visual. No high fives, no chest bumps, no hugs or handshakes, and no chewing tobacco or sunflower seeds, which I, Gabe Kapler, the, the Phillies manager, came out today or wherever he's managing now. I don't remember. It's not the important part. Former Brewer, current manager Gabe Kapler said, eh, it's going to be tough to give up dipping. It's going to be tough to give up spitting. Another funny wrinkle of this. So we know where baseball is. They're presenting the economic piece, the important piece, tomorrow. Baseball needs to get this figured out now. I believe that baseball, ownership, and the players need to come to a consensus by middle of next week in order to maximize their value. Because every day that goes by with no baseball on TV, baseball gets less valuable. Because as time passes, we become more focused on the start of college football, of the NFL, and we we care a little bit less about baseball. Right now, baseball has the novelty of possibly being the only thing on TV. And we love it. But the longer they wait, the, the less that excitement is there the less interested we'd become. They need to go do it now. I think by next Wednesday, ideally. So that's where baseball stands. Look, unless the entire world gets coronavirus and dies, the NFL season is going to take place. Unless there's a huge change of course, a huge second wave of this virus that we're not anticipating, the way things are currently headed, the NFL is playing a season. And Roger Goodell has earned the right to look at his players and say, hey, we're going to play, and I don't care what you think about it. I don't care what you think about it. I'm the commissioner. We're going to play. We start on this day because I say so. And Roger Goodell, unlike Rob Manfred or Adam Silver, has earned that right to say, because I say so. End of story. Now, Adam Silver shows love and respect and appreciation for the players directly by including them in the decision-making process. Chris Paul, it was his idea for the All-Star game this year, right? They had a voice in the creation of the format of the All-Star Game. And now he's polling players saying, do you want to play? Do you want to nix this? What do you want to do? He's involving the players, and therefore he's showing them respect, appreciation. Roger Goodell shows his players respect and appreciation through making them more money. Roger Goodell says, hey, you're going to do what I say, and it's going to work out for you because the NFL is going to continue to make money hand over fist. So both Silver and Goodell show their players love and appreciation all the time, but they do it in very different ways. And the NBA doesn't make as much money, so Adam Silver needs to go about it differently. It fits. Both of them stay on brand. Roger Goodell is going to say, this is what we're doing. I don't care what you think. Show up and you'll get paid, and you can be a part of this huge money-making enterprise. The NFL makes more money every single year. As of right now, I think the worst it could get is that the NFL delays their start a couple of weeks. That's the absolute worst-case scenario, I believe, for the NFL. Possibly a Super Bowl that's later on in February and a season that starts in mid-October rather than mid-September. They'll probably eliminate bye weeks and not have a Pro Bowl. That's something they've planned for. That's something that is ready to go. Break glass in case of emergency if this coronavirus hits us with a second wave or it gets worse between now and, say, middle of August. The NFL's planned for that. But that, in my opinion, is the worst-case scenario. They're having a season. College football, I was more concerned about because there's a lot more that goes into college sports, right? You have your administration, your individual universities, your conferences, the NCAA itself. What about the state legislature? 
right? What about county ordinances? There's a lot that goes into college sports. Do you have students on campus? Are they going to school virtually, right? A lot more factors. And we talked about some of those factors with Coach McGlenn uh, from UWL Football on Tuesday. If you haven't listened to the podcast, I'd encourage you to go do so because I think you'll feel more optimistic after listening to this interview. Coach McGlenn saying, man, we haven't had to deviate too much. We've figured it out. He was feeling optimistic. And I definitely got a sense of confidence that college football, one way or another, is going to continue this fall without interruption. Now, there's going to be some changes made. There's going to be some changes made. I was reading a fascinating Sports Illustrated piece the other day about how college football is preparing to conduct organized team activities and practices and workouts in a pandemic-stricken world. One specific example was at the University of Houston, where they actually, a year ago, purchased this piece of equipment. It's called a razor. And what it does is it fogs everything. They plop it down the middle of the weight room. It fogs the entire room like you'd fog for termites or mosquitoes. And the fog coats every surface and sanitizes it. Now, of course, a year later, that's looking like a a really good investment. And I think many other schools are going to start to go that way. Buy equipment to sanitize entire rooms, locker rooms, weight rooms. They're spacing out weightlifting equipment. Instead of having squat racks right next to each other, they're going to space them out. They're keeping in mind which way the airflow travels through a room, right? Where does the air come in? Where is it pulled out? How can we line up things to keep things as safe as possible? Not going to share water bottles. Not going to do high fives. We're going to work out outside as much as possible. So colleges are making plans and making adjustments. However, from everything I've read, and it was announced and reported on Wednesday, the vote from the NCAA that clears the return of student-athletes to campus in football, men's basketball, and women's basketball starting on June 1st. That decision ends the ban on all athletic activities that was carrying through May 31st. So the wheels are in motion. Football players and basketball players are going to be able to return to campus here, well, in about 10 days. Now, the campus that they return to might look different. The weight rooms might be reorganized, and the workouts might be shaped differently. And planned differently, but they're going to be on campus. And even if they do it with no fans, even if they hold college football games with no fans, it's going to happen. In fact, I read another article today that was outlining and quoting certain athletic department members in Power 5 conferences. This was reported by The Athletic, if you want to check it out, about how they could possibly sell tickets to fill 20% of a stadium. But you got to keep in mind, college football stadiums are the largest stadiums in our country and in the world, because when they were built, Camp Randall was built a long time ago, before social media, before TV, before really games were on the radio. So the only way to see the game was to go. So they made these these stadiums as large as possible. Now, they don't make stadiums that big because people would rather watch on TV, myself included. But there should be enough space in a stadium like Camp Randall, especially if you get down into the SEC, where these stadiums are just massive. They sit hundreds, uh, close to 100,000 people, like the Coliseum in LA. They should be able to sell a certain portion of seats. 20, 30%, keeping people spaced out, socially distant. It's a fascinating uh, It's a fascinating process. Universities figuring out how to keep their athletes safe while also trying to make a little bit of scratch off of selling some tickets because it's a shame to have a 100,000-seat arena totally empty. So the way college sports is moving, I'm real confident that we're going to have football in the fall, even with no fans or maybe some fans. And I feel the same way about the NFL just because it's the NFL. But everything I read about the National Football League only uh, reinforces the idea that the NFL, if there was a bulletproof sports league, the NFL would be it and that they're going to go according to plan uh, or operate with as few adjustments as possible come this fall. I'm feeling good, feeling confident about the return of sports. Baseball, I'm 
a little uneasy. But this fall, I, I think college football and the NFL could almost feel normal. Probably won't be fans in the stands or as many fans, but I think they're going to go on as, as normally as possible. When we come back, let's talk about football. Let's talk about the Packers. I've had so much fun, and I think I've learned a lot the last couple of days, talking about the Packers wide receiving core. We looked at a game from 2016 yesterday, and I said, okay, here's the receiving core. Here's how Mike McCarthy liked to use those certain receivers. And we pointed out some differences between then and now. I want to try to sell you on something coming up next. I want to sell you on the idea that this current Packers wide receiving core, even though they didn't draft a wide receiver, I want to sell you on the idea that, you know what? This group isn't too bad. And you might not buy it, right? You might you, you might not buy it at all. But give me a chance. Hear me out. Coming up next, we'll talk Green Bay Packers. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. <laughs> The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Hope you're doing well. It was a beautiful day. I got here just a little bit early today before coming in and and sitting down and really getting to work on the show. I took a stroll through Riverside Park, got an ice cream cone, took in the sunshine. I'm doing awesome today. Hope you're doing well as well. Let's talk about the Packers. If you missed the opening segment, I just expressed some optimism. I said, you know what? I'm feeling good about the return of football this fall. I understand there might not be fans in the seats especially at NFL games, college sports, I think we might be surprised in a few months. And maybe I'm being overly optimistic, maybe. But according to some things I've read and some interviews they've conducted with uh, athletic department workers in Power 5 conferences, The Athletic did a really interesting piece on this. There may actually be a possibility that they sell 20% capacity. They They might seat a certain number of fans in these games as long as they can stay socially distanced. Because remember, these college football stadiums are huge. So I'm feeling optimistic. I think come this fall, we're going to feel a little bit more normal as we, and, and it's not all going to happen at once, obviously, that right now we're, we're in a process of getting back to normalcy and it's happening very slowly, step by step. And I think this fall, the start of football could be a big part of that. But let's continue along the football path. Yesterday, we went pack in time and we looked at a game from 2016 and we compared the offenses and the coaching styles of that team five years ago and this team currently under Matt LaFleur. We focused a lot on the wide receivers. In the case of 2016, mostly Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, and Jared Cook, who was a big part of things when he was healthy. That was a big reason why the Packers were so inconsistent in in, in 2016. They started 4-2, and two, then they went 0-4, then they won six in a row. A big indicator of success that year was the health of Jared Cook. And although he's not a wide receiver, he's a weapon, so I include him in that group. Jordy, Cobb, Adams, Cook. I think there's some confusion on this year's wide receiving group. Before the draft, let's go back a couple of months. Before the draft, I think we all expected an overhaul at that position. We expected Brian Gutekinds to attack the wide receiving group viciously through the draft. Maybe draft a couple like we've seen in the past when he's attacked linemen or running back or wide receiver. We expected Brian Gutekinds to overhaul that position and inject some new talent into the group alongside Really, Devontae Adams and everyone else. That was before the draft. Now, well, we believed in these guys all along, right? Of course, Equinemia St. Brown's coming back. And, well, Valdez Scantling, he'll, he'll get it together. It takes three years for wide receivers, right? And there's two reasons that we do this. Number one, we are trying to put ourselves in the mindset of the general manager, Brian Gutekind. So we're thinking, okay, well, MVS must, they must really believe in him. They must really believe in St. Brown and in Lazard. We also are just fans, so so whoever's on our team, we're going to 
try to put a positive spin on it. And that's okay. That's fandom, right? It's okay to put on the green and gold color glasses because after all, we're Packer fans. And that's a big part of, that's a big part of this. Now, the accurate truth is, is somewhere in the middle, right? I, I don't think this wide receiving group is amazing, but I don't think they're terrible. I think the accurate truth about this year's group is somewhere in the middle. So today I thought what we could do to try to put this wide receiving group into perspective is we could look at some older teams and look at some other wide receiving groups from the last five or six years. And I think that helps put things into perspective because we view every offseason in a vacuum, right? All right, 2020 offseason, they signed Rick Wagner and Christian Kirksey and they signed Devin Funches and they drafted these players and we only focus on those additions. We only focus on who they brought in without thinking... Well, this is who they drafted last year, and you hope they're better. Or who they signed last year. Hopefully that player gets more comfortable in the system. No, we only look at the 2020 offseason. And that's how we're conditioned to think. You know, put a grade on it. A plus, B minus. What do you think? Rank this year's offseason. Well, no, everything is connected. But we have a tendency to, to look at things in a vacuum. So let's try to put it into perspective. I thought what we could do is look at some older wide receiving cores, talk about what made them good, and maybe... Just maybe try to apply it to this group. So I think 2011 is the gold standard for Packers wide receivers this decade. Really, maybe this century in the 2000s period. I think 2011 is the best example. You had Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, James Jones, Jordy Nelson, and a rookie Randall Cobb. And then you had two great tight ends, Tom Crabtree and Jermichael Finley. That's seven really good weapons. And, and if you start to break down what made that wide receiving core great, there's a couple of different factors. I think ability is a huge factor. That's number one. A lot of these guys are first or second round picks or high draft picks with a lot of talent and a lot of ability. They're talented individuals. You need that. Players with gifts, players with speed, strength, vision, right? Things that you notice in the draft, things that get players drafted high. Jordy Nelson was a second round pick. Randall Cobb. Greg Jennings, all high draft picks, not first round picks, but talented players that the Packers coveted. That's number one. You need ability. Number two, I think you need variety. You need players with different skill sets who bring different things to the table. Donald Driver attacked the middle of the field like no other wide receiver I've ever seen. Jordy Nelson could take the top off of defense, as could Greg Jennings. James Jones was great along the sideline. Timing routes, he was great. And Randall Cobb could fill in the cracks. He could come out of the backfield, He was great over the middle on slants, but he could also get loose down the field. And you know what Randall Cobb was really good at? When when the play broke down, he just knew how to find Aaron Rodgers and bail him out. Every wide receiver in that group brought something to the table. I think there was diversity that year. There was a mix of young players and old players. That's another factor. And I think there was some pedigree, some experience. Players who had been there, done that, right? Donald Driver had been around for a long time. Greg Jennings at that point had been around for a long time. Jordy Nelson as well, but they also had some younger players. Randall Cobb, right? Jermichael Finley at that point was still pretty young as well. So let's look at some other wide receiving groups. And this is a rule of sports radio. Anytime you list things or you're doing rankings, you need a little bit of background music to make it sound official. Not my rule. It's just a rule of sports radio. 2011 is the gold standard. What about 2014? Rookie Devontae Adams, Jarrett Boykin, Randall Cobb, rookie Jeff Janis, and Jordy Nelson. That was the group they kept, and they kept four tight ends that year. Brandon Bostic, <laughs> better if they hadn't. 
Justin Perillo, who is a rookie, didn't last very long. Corliss and Rodgers. Jared Aberderis ended the year on IR. That's a pretty good wide receiving core. Diverse, old and young, different skill sets. It's pretty good. And that team was really good. Now, 2015 is the year where things hit the fan. That's where the offense really took a step back. You had Devontae Adams, who was in his second year and really struggled with injuries and drops, just wasn't ready. And then you had Jared Aberderis and Jeff Janis. We all know the story there. They were the only two left by the end of the season. Randall Cobb, who battled injuries, and James Jones, who they literally signed like days before the season. They signed him on September 6th. He ended up leading the team with eight touchdowns. IR, Ty Montgomery, Andrew Corliss, Jordy Nelson, all on injured reserve. And that forced some of the younger wide receivers into service. They weren't ready. 2015, that's an example of a clunky wide receiving core. You know what's really interesting? Is the 2018 season compared to the 2019 season. In 2018, they went 6-9-1. and And in 2019, they went 13-3. and And you know what? They have basically the exact same group of wide receivers. 2018, they had Adams, Cobb, Kumaro, Lazard, Moore, St. Brown, and MVS. And then Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis. Those were the tight ends. 6-9-1. Bad team. The very next year, they had the same group. Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, Jake Kumaro, Lazard, MVS. They added Ryan Grant. It's the same t- It's the same wide receiving group. Mercedes Lewis, Sternberger, and Graham. Same group from year to year. 6-9-1 versus 13-3. and three. Isn't that interesting? So we get so bogged down in how many great wide receivers the Packers currently have. Who's the number two behind Devontae Adams? Who's the slot guy? Who's the perimeter guy? Well, what are they going to do at tight end? You know, the coach and the system might be just as important as the players themselves. 2018 and 2019 are great examples. Same group of wide receivers, two completely different offenses, two completely different results. One team missed the playoffs, got third in their division, and then the next year, they're one game from the Super Bowl. Now this year, currently, 2020, the Packers have Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Devin Funchess, and then kind of a group of of what-ifs. MVS, Equinemius St. Brown, and Jake Kumaro. I think Lazard is going to be better this year. I think Funchess will be a nice contributor. I don't think he'd be a pro bowler, but he'll be a nice contributor. And man, if they can get MVS or EQ to step up and be consistent, just one of them. I don't even think you need both. If you can get one of those guys to step up and be a player, this wide receiving group ain't going to be too bad. It's not going to be that different from what they had last year, where they went 13-3. and And I think you could put this wide receiving core up against the one in 2014. And outside of prime Jordy Nelson, it's pretty similar. It's pretty similar. You could compare Devonta Adams now to Jordy Nelson back then. It's kind of a wash. You don't need a group of elite wide receivers. You don't need the 2011 Packers to win games. Unless, unless maybe you're Mike McCarthy. That's how he ran his offense. He needs the weapons. And interestingly enough, he went to a team in Dallas that has the weapons and drafted another really good weapon. Coach, system, scheme, just as important as the players themselves. So let's not get bogged down in the perceived lack of talent and the perceived lack of dynamic playmaking ability that this year's wide receiving group has. That's something we're going to have to return to. But we got to take a break. Bart Winkler, Packers owner, host on 105.7 FM, the fan, and UWL alumni. He's going to join us next. We'll talk Packers and We'll see whatever else comes up. I want to see if I can get Bart going on a couple of different things. We'll have that conversation and continue the Wisco Sports Show coming up next right here on WKTY. (laughs) 
Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Don't forget, you can always check out the show in podcast form. Let's go to WKTYsports.com. And if you haven't downloaded it already, use the WKTY app. You can find it there uh, as well. Joining us now on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line, Bart Winkler, morning show host for 105.7 FM, The Fan in Milwaukee, WSSP. Also a Packers owner and a, a fellow, now I can say fellow, UWL alumni. Bart, so we had we had a virtual graduation this last weekend. Do you have any, like, was your graduation memorable at UWL or was it just like a warm day sitting in the lacrosse center, basically? You know what's weird? I don't remember my graduation. I remember my girlfriend at the time I went to her graduation. She didn't go to UWL? That's she was somewhere else? I remember. I don't remember mine. Your girlfriend was somewhere else? Like well, another... She was... She was I, I, I just... I, I went with her parents. Okay. To hers. So I remember her walking across the stage. I don't remember going to mine. I went to mine. Yeah. But I don't remember it. Well, I guess that I guess that makes sense. They say graduation's more for the parents. I felt that way, so I guess I guess that makes a lot of sense. Bart, you host for our listeners who don't know, you host six to ten in the morning. I, I normally ask guests like just kind of how they're doing, just make small talk. But I'm not I'm not going to ask you that because none of us are doing well right now. We're all stressed out, and especially no. our job, we got no sports to talk about. So, like, what is what has your life been getting up at six a.m. to do a, a show from your home with absolutely nothing to talk about for four hours every day? How's that been? You know, what's been interesting is that, and congrats on the gradu- graduation, by Thank the way. You. What's interesting is there has been more stuff to talk about than I thought. I thought when this was all going down, it would be a lot of like, well, how's your day? You know, oh, where's the craziest place that you had to find toilet paper? You know, I thought, it, oh, <laughs> tell me about your neighbor, your wacky neighbor. I just thought it would be. As Sports Talk Radio, it would be no sports at all. Yeah. But I think the NFL has been fantastic for staying on schedule. And what they recognized is, yeah, there's a lot going on right now, but we can still do our stuff without having to get anybody together. We can do the draft. We can do free agency. Now they got to figure out training camps and stuff. But those two things alone gave us so much to talk about in sports and just as sports fans. I mean, who doesn't have an opinion – on the Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, that whole situation. So that has been good. There's been other things that have popped up, but also you got to expand your horizons a little bit. I'm watching NASCAR now for the first time in my life, and I actually think I like it. I'm watching UFC, and I'm not a big UFC guy, and I'm getting into that too. Korean baseball's on during my show. I'm watching that. So there's still things to talk about. The thing that I hate talking about is, like, the latest plan yeah did you see this did you guys see this plan they're gonna play all their games in arizona and they're gonna be three divisions of 10 because then we'll get you know bob nightingale writes an article or whoever and so we get bob nightingale on and we talk to him and he says us all this stuff and then i say oh that was fantastic and then two hours later the plan that bob nightingale was talking about is not going to happen uh i i i want to know when sports are going to come back i know that we're so thirsty for it that, oh, maybe Disney, oh, maybe 82 games. I just tell me when they come back, and in the meantime, I'll enjoy and try to get more into some of the sports that are back. But there's been a lot more to talk about sports-wise than I would have thought up to this point. 
Yeah, so so two things to answer what you said. I've been talking a lot about baseball's like legit return to play plan because it's in the works and it's in the news every day. What me and my listeners were joking about yesterday, it, the return of the NBA, I think has been, I, I can't see the NBA coming back. I think it's going terribly. Yesterday, Woj tweeted, and, and I'm reading this tweet and I'm like, this says nothing. So this is what he said, Bart, and I'm sure you read it. NBA teams are expecting the league office will issue guidelines around June 1st that will allow franchises to start recalling players who've left their markets to return as a first step forward for a formal ramp-up of the season's resumption. Bart, there's nothing... He said nothing there. It's like, well, they're thinking about ramping up. They're going to announce. They're going to bring players back to possibly begin practice. Like, there's nothing there. I don't think the NBA is going to come back. You don't? No, I don't. I don't. I think they're they're dead in the water right now. They want to come back, doesn't it? I I think baseball is going to come back. I think the NBA is screwed. I think they're I think silver is just frozen right now. I don't think they know what to do. And by the time that if they come back, Bart, it's going to feel like a different season, a completely different season. And I think that's not a good sign. Well, here's here's what I don't want any of these leagues to do, specifically the NBA, because and, and because I'm a Bucks fan. Yeah. Yes, I really do want the season to be finished. I don't want them to worry about next season. I, I talked to some people today on the show, and they said, well, let's not ruin two seasons. But I, I think that that's fine. Bryce Harper put out something on Instagram the other day where he says, if we start late this year, then the year after that, we can have opening day on, like, June 1st. And then the year after that, we can have opening day on May 1st. And then the year after that, on April 1st. So we can use the next few years to get things back on track. I think if you're the NBA and you can safely come back, but it's not till October, then finish in October and then take a little break again yeah. and then start next year's season in January or February and, and then play the 82 games and then circle it back to what you want it to be. I want them to finish the season. You look at some of the shortened seasons in history and they don't, you don't remember them as shortened. The 99 NBA season, Spurs won it. All right, they played 50 games. Big deal. The 95 baseball season after the strike. Nobody talks about that season as a strike-shortened season. They always talk about 94 because 94 they had gotten so far, and we joked that the Expos should have been champions, and they never got a fair shot. Yeah. I don't see how the NBA wouldn't do everything in their power to try to finish it. And I'll tell you, if you're a Bucks fan who's really on your side here, is LeBron James, one of the most influential guys oh, yeah. in the entire league. This guy has put wear and tear on his body for so many years that now he's just going to have to have a whole season wasted. I mean, he goes to the finals every year. He plays in the Olympics. This guy is not going to let this season go for wasted. I do think the NBA comes back. I don't care when it is as long as they don't care when the next season starts. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> I don't feel great about it. It might come back, and by the time it comes back, it's going to feel like a different season, and that concerns me a little bit. I'm 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 a little bit out on the NBA right now. And as a Bucks fan, I want him back, but I also want him back. I want the Bucks to be the one seed and get home court advantage and get to play in the Pfizer Forum and and get the best seed. I any solution to me is is it's better than nothing, but I have a hard time getting amped up. I guess that's that's all we got got to say about the NBA. This is uh, Bart Winkler, one zero five seven FM, the fan in Milwaukee, uh, on the five star telecom talking text line. So Bart. You're a Packers owner, and I think it's a hilarious bit you use on your show, and, and people get bent out of shape about it. I So, what do you think about the Jordan Love they're thing? They're jealous. Yeah, they're, they're je- exactly. They're jealous. Oh, I'm just going to ask you point blank. What do you think about the Jordan Love thing? I'm not going to try to 
qualify it or put some spin on it. I've changed my mind like a hundred times. Currently, as of May twenty first, right now, where are you on that pick? I hate it. I hate it more every day. <laughs> I think it was a terrible pick. And and this is the problem with this pick is the only way this pick isn't a terrible pick is if Jordan Love plays for fifteen years and they do what they did with Rodgers and Favre. That's a huge thing to bank on. Like if you think that you've got this next quarterback and he plays five years, makes two Pro Bowls, goes to one NFC Championship game, and loses. Yeah, that I, I that that's not worth it to me. You've got to now for Jordan Love following the following Rodgers after he followed Favre. There's going to be a lot of pressure on that guy anyway, and he's probably going to get a pass from Packer fans. But following Rodgers after being drafted in a sort of similar way to Rodgers, mm-hmm. although even more pressure on you because they traded up to get you, I think that the problem for me is the Packers still have Aaron Rodgers as a contract they can't get out of. Maybe they can next year, but there's still a lot of dead cap that they're paying. It's, it's a short-sighted move because you've got Jordan Love who can't really play for a couple of years, that's what the scouts say, mm-hmm. and you've still got Aaron Rodgers, and part of drafting Jordan Love is you're hoping Aaron Rodgers grooms him, so you're banking on that. So I think what these next couple of years are, I, I keep using the word purgatory. We're in this sort of just nothingness land because the Packers didn't do really anything to get better. And no, you can't argue Devin Funches is the missing piece or all of a sudden everyone's <laughs> rewriting history on how much they like the AJ Dillon pick. These aren't guys that are going to put you over the edge to beat the 49ers. They didn't do anything to make their team better. In fact, they let some of the better guys walk away because they couldn't or didn't want to pay them. And then the team spends a first round pick on a guy who's not going to play for a couple of years. And out of all the guys they drafted, you're probably going to get 10, 15 snaps a game combined outside of special teams. It was a draft that was for the future. It was a rebuilt draft on a team that I don't think you rebuild at this point. I do think you ride it out with Aaron Rodgers. Now, if you wanted to draft a quarterback, that's fine. I was all about them drafting a guy in the fifth or fourth round and getting another guy in here and seeing what could work or trading for Josh Rosen, who has a good relationship with Rodgers and is still very young, although when he has started, he has not looked that good. But I've been I've been for them thinking of the future, but they they totally are thinking of the future here at the expense of the present, and that's why I do hate this pick. And I thought maybe in a couple of weeks my Packer PR brain would spin it, like when they drafted a punter, and I hated it. And two days later, I thought it was the greatest thing that they've ever done. Yeah, that's not happening here. I hate that pick so much. I, I I can't disagree with you. I, I I they must just think Jordan Love's gonna be really good. And I don't know if I want that I don't know if I want him to be good or if I want Aaron Rodgers to keep being great. It's you were in purgatory. You're exactly right. Bart, before I let you go, maybe you can give me some radio advice. So I have nothing to talk about once I say goodbye to you in a minute or two. Um but Montrevious Adams was arrested today in Georgia uh with less than an ounce of marijuana and he was driving without insurance. Uh, and with a suspended slash canceled slash revoked registration. So I need to fill probably seven minutes after I say goodbye to you, probably seven <laughs> to ten minutes. What would your take be on, on this? I would, if you want to, if you need to fill time with this Adam story, yeah. I would not have a take. I would just like 
read the details, uh, read them maybe a couple of times, <laughs> bring up other examples of when Packers got arrested, and then just call it a day. I don't think you need to have like, oh, my God, what a terrible person, or I don't know if you need to rush to his defense. These These stories... There's some stories, even though I have to prep for shows, I won't read and I don't care. I don't care when guys get arrested for minor things like this. I don't care about when two-star recruits commit to Wisconsin. I don't care when a wide receiver coach bolts Wisconsin for Hofstra. I don't care about any of <laughs> that stuff, and so I'm not going to. And I don't I, – I mean, Montrevious Adams, I didn't know he got arrested until you told me before I got on, yeah. and my reaction was, whoa, what for? And then you told me, and I said – Oh, who cares? Yeah. And that's the most I'll think about it. Yeah, well, I... So read I, the story, maybe take a phone call from some guy who's, you know, mad at the world, and then and then call it a day. Call it a day. Well, as I as I whip through Twitter, it looks like some, some members of Packers media are already getting into it about how the, the new CBA affects this, so I think I have all the ammo I need. Bart, I, I appreciate the advice and the time. I know you've been doing hits all over the place this week, so I do appreciate the time as you're at home uh, with your young son as well. Stay healthy, Bart. I, I hope we can talk again soon. Anytime, buddy. Thanks, Bart. That's Bart Winkler, 105.7 FM, The Fan in Milwaukee. Packers owner, a proud Packers owner, and a UW alum on top of all that. When we come back, well, let's let's get into the Montrevious Adams thing. Yeah, he got arrested for pot, and he was driving without a license. So I'm going to come up with a take real quick and give you the, the details. Yeah, we'll do that and wrap up the show coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. If you're not doing anything tonight, uh, head on over to the Moon Tunes Facebook page. Ryan Howe, good buddy of mine, uh, is playing a two-hour show. He'll be playing until 7 tonight. One of the most gifted, natural piano players I have ever watched. And on top of that, a beautiful singer. So go over to the Moon Tunes Facebook page. Check him out. If you're also looking to, to grab a bite or grab a drink tonight, Piggy's Pearl Street Brewery. All of the money they make or proceeds from the money they make are going to the uh, bar and restaurant relief fund. So if you're looking for something to do, go check that out. Ryan is a friend and is supremely talented. He'll be playing until 7 on the Moon Tunes Facebook page. So Zach Heilprin stole a little bit of my thunder uh, per Bart's advice. Thanks again to Bart Winkler. I was just going to spend the last couple of minutes uh, updating you on what happened with Montrevious Adams. But Zach kind of stole my thunder. So basically what happened was Montrevious Adams was arrested in Georgia couple of different things. He had marijuana, but it was less than an ounce. And he was driving without insurance. And he had a suspended or canceled or revoked registration. I don't know. It's one of those three. He had a bad registration, no insurance, and pot. Look, I don't care what you, I don't care what you think about pot, right? If you think he's a bad person for, for using marijuana, I don't know what to tell you. The, real, the one thing is, is you can't, you can't have pot in the car and also not have insurance and also not have good registration. You can't do all three at once. <laughs> you got to pick one, right? Because if you, if you drive around with bad registration, okay, but don't have drug don't have drugs in the car because you're probably going to get pulled over. Like this is, this isn't complicated. Adams, I'm not going to act like he was set to be a Pro Bowler or an All Pro, but the Packers were hopefully counting on him to fill the void at interior defensive lineman because other than Kenny Clark, they don't really have a great option. They have a couple of good options between Dean Lowry. And Tyler Lancaster. And I know they're really high on Kingsley Kiki. I need to I need to see it before I can get excited. But I'm hopeful because I'm a Packer fan, right? I'm hopeful. It's my team. And then Montrevious Adams, the former third-round pick. If there was a position group that 
didn't really need an, an arrest if if such a thing has ever existed. It was the it was the defensive line. Like in, in 2015, when Jordy got hurt and then Devontae Adams couldn't get healthy and Randall Cobb got hurt, like the, the, all year we're like, man, the, the wide receiving core can't afford another injury. That's the one position that you, you can't afford another injury. Well, in the case of the 2020-2021 Packers, the one position group that couldn't afford an arrest, is, as weird as that sounds, is Montrevious Adams and the defensive line. Because they do need to get that run defense figured out. I'm hopeful that Montrevious Adams can become the player that I think they envisioned when they drafted him. But he's got a little bit of a longer road to hoe. It's Look, if you're a third-round pick, your value is low as it is. Especially if you don't contribute and, and play well right away. Your value to the team gets even lower when you start getting arrested. Because that's just something the team doesn't want to deal with, right? Now, if Aaron Rodgers gets arrested for pot, first of all, it's a way bigger story. That's a bad example. Let's use Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams gets arrested for pot, assuming it's less than an ounce and he's not dealing it, intent to sell, right? If Devontae Adams gets arrested with pot, the Packers are willing to deal with it. If a third-round pick from three years ago who's barely ever contributed gets arrested with pot, now that's a little bit more problematic for Montrevious Adams. That's why last year, or at least the story says, Zadaria Smith took the fall and and took responsibility for the drugs in the car when he was with, I believe he was with Kingsley Kiki, another defensive lineman, interestingly enough. Just a, just some terrible characters on the defensive line. But that's why Zadaria Smith took the fall for his teammate, because he knew, I just signed, I'm a high-priced free agent, I have a, I'm a veteran, I've basically earned the right and 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 the privilege of slipping up once or twice. He's like, I'll take the I'll take the pot, it's on me, and really bailed out a a a, a lower draft pick in Kingsley Kiki, who is already standing on thin ice in terms of his roster spot. Once he had a drug charge in there, that that doesn't necessarily help his standing. I don't really have much else to say. I could read you the rest of the police report or this article from what the hell am I even reading? The Alabama Times, Alabama.com. There's really not that much else. I could read it to you, but that I'd get bored of myself. So tomorrow, here's what we're going to do. I hope, I really, really hope that there's a leak tomorrow because baseball, the MLB, is set to present their financial proposal to the players and the representation tomorrow. So hopefully what happens is they propose it tomorrow afternoon and someone leaks it, right? And says, okay, this is what they presented. This is what we're okay with. This is what we're not okay with. And hopefully we take one step closer to the return of baseball. What concerns me, and I said this at the beginning of the show, so if you're listening now, you probably missed it. I said at the beginning of the show, it concerns me a little bit that Major League Baseball is preparing to present a plan on a Friday afternoon, right? We all we all get the concept of a Friday news dump. You got some bad news or some unpopular news, you dump it on Friday on your way out of the office and you don't have to deal with it until Monday. And in this case, you won't have to deal with it until Tuesday because it's a three-day weekend. So it it worries me that Major League Baseball is perhaps preparing to present a plan that's insulting or that is unrealistic or unacceptable by the players, and they want to dump it on Friday afternoon and say, okay, see ya, and wring their hands and then run out and not have to deal with it until next Tuesday. I hope that's not the case, because if they present a plan that includes a 50-50 split or any form of revenue sharing from everything I've read and everything that's been reported specifically by ESPN's Jeff, Jeff Passan, That's a non-starter. And if Major League Baseball proposes something that is an immediate non-starter, it almost feels like we're back to square one. And as I've been saying all week, baseball is running out of time here. Now, they have some time to to play with. They have a week or two. 
But they're running out of time because the closer we get to the fall, closer we get to August, we're going to start to care about football a lot more. I'm going to care more about Badger football and about Green Bay Packer football and what Matt LaFleur is going to do with the offense. I'm going to stop caring about baseball. Baseball's got a huge advantage right now. If they put their games on TV, it's the only major American sport on television. And we'd love it. And we'd watch and we'd talk about it. They'd be the center of attention. But if they start waiting weeks and this pushes into the middle of July, late July, sorry, but that's how Americans work. We have short attention spans. We're moving on. And, and every day they're not playing, their value drops lower and lower and lower. So I think, I think next week is a huge turning point in this. If, if Major League Baseball presents something respectable and plausible and possible, then hopefully the players come back with their side on Monday or next Tuesday. And by Wednesday, Thursday, we, we, we're set. We're agreed. And July 1st is a realistic start day. But if Major League Baseball presents something insulting or what the players find to be insulting tomorrow and then run out for the weekend, I feel like we're back to square one. And that's a bad place to be on May 21st. Baseball's feeling like less of a possibility if, if that's the case. We'll talk about it more tomorrow. Hopefully there is some news. We'll keep talking about Packers, college football, whatever else comes up. And who knows, maybe we'll get more details about Montrevious Adams and his arrest. Same time, same place tomorrow on the Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then.